All right, if you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 11. And that's where we'll be spending our time today. We're going to start a new chapter. I know you guys get excited. You don't get excited about new books because that rarely happens. We get excited about new chapters. And so that's what we have today. We're going to move to chapter 11 of Matthew as we've been working our way through this book. And we're going to be in a new section of Matthew. As he's finished out of these teachings here, he's going to go into a new set of teachings. But today we get to, to look at John the Baptist. And we've not seen him since Matthew chapter 4. I look back to see when was the last time he was mentioned. And it's all the way back seven chapters ago. And the last time we saw him, uh, he was baptizing Jesus. He just got put in, in prison. And that's where we find him here seven chapters later. He's still in prison, and he's having some doubts. Uh, I'm, I'm sure if you get put in prison, you're going to have some doubts. So that's what, he's, that's what we're going to look at in these six verses today. And it gives us a valuable lesson. I think this is an overlooked passage. I think it's a beautiful passage. I think it's one of the most beautiful passages that we've seen in the Gospel of Matthew so far. Very overlooked, rarely ever talked about, but it's so valuable, so helpful for us today. Because we're going to, I titled the sermon, How to Deal with Doubt. And we're going to talk about doubt today. The, the entire sermon is going to be on doubt, how we can deal with doubt when it comes. So let's stand together, and I want to look at dealing with doubt, looking at Matthew 11, verses 1 through 6. And if you don't know how to deal with doubt, after today's sermon, you should know how to deal with doubt. So let me read these verses to you, verses 1 through 6, in Matthew chapter 11. And the Word of God says, And it came to pass when Jesus had made an end of commanding his twelve disciples. That's Matthew 10 that we just looked at. He departed thence to teach and to preach in their cities. Now when John, that's John the Baptist, had heard in the prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto him, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? There's his doubts. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Go and show John again those things which you do hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk, and the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he, whosoever shall not be offended in me. It's a great passage today for us on how to deal with doubt. So let's pray together and then we'll jump into this passage. Father, we thank you for passages like these. We know the familiar passages and we, we turn to them often. But these are the ones that we overlook a lot. But God, sometimes I think they give us some of the greatest truths. And I'm thankful that just working through your word, we come to this today. And there may be somebody out there who's having struggles with doubt today, right now. And they walk into this church, and you have provided for them a sermon on doubt. And it, God, there, I know there's probably not just one, but there's many in here that's facing that, that circumstance today. And may you reassure us. May you resolve these doubts in all of us today. And God, please help me as I preach. And help all of us as we hear these words. As, as it says in Matthew 15, uh, eleven fifteen, He who has ears to hear, let him hear what you're saying to us today. Let us listen with spiritual ears. And we ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. I'm going to ask a question this morning. And, and I don't want you to raise your hands. I, I don't want you to say anything. I, I want you to just think in your own minds about the, the reality of this. Uh, how many of you, if you're being honest have doubts just just thinking about your own life how often do you have doubts do you have doubts what do you have doubts about 
And when I say, do you have doubts, or have you had doubts in the past, or, or any kind of question about doubts, here's what I'm asking. You know, I'm asking about, about our faith, not doubts in somebody, not doubts when somebody tells you a story and you're like, you know what, I, I doubt that. I'm talking about in your faith. The thing that matters more than anything else in the world, have you ever had doubts about your faith? And here's, here's what I'm asking. Have you ever had doubts about the truth of the Word of God? Have you ever been reading through your Bible and you read a truth? Maybe you're reading through Genesis and you read about the creation account. Maybe you're reading through the Gospels and you read uh, uh, some of the miracles that Christ performed. Maybe you're reading about salvation and uh, how we can be saved by grace through faith. And you're, you're reading all these things. And, and after you get done reading it, you start thinking and you say, Is that true? Is that really true? Your mind says that sometimes. Really? Did he really do that? Did he really raise the dead? Did he really heal the blind? Did he really walk on water? Because I've never seen that before. Is that true? Have you ever had those doubts? Have you ever had doubts about yourself? That you not just look at the Bible and you say, really, is that true? But you look at yourself and you say, I call myself a Christian, but really, am I? I say that I'm going to heaven when I die. I tell everybody that. Everybody knows I'm a Christian. I go to church. But am I really? And you start to have doubts about your own self. Am I really saved? Am I really right with God? Am I really? How about this one? Not just in, the, in biblical truth and not just in yourself, but how about just in life in general? That when something bad happens, when there's, there's bad circumstances, and you look around and you say, where's God in this? Is God real? Is God good? Is God really working this out for good? God, where that's doubt is what it is. Where are you, God, in the midst of this? Have you ever had those kind of questions about your faith, about the truth of the Bible, about your own life and who you are and what you say you are? Have you ever had doubts just in life that when bad things happen, you say, really, God, why? Anybody in here had those? Because I want to tell you a secret, okay? I don't want you to tell anybody else. <laughs> This is a secret that, that the church has kept. This is a secret that's in Christianity. This is a secret that, that most people don't talk about. It's, it's shh, I, might, I might need to be a little bit quieter. Shh. Everybody has doubts. I have doubts. Oh, everybody does. There's not one person in this room. You're sitting there and you say, oh, I never have. You know, you have. Everybody in this room has had doubts. Everybody's been reading their Bible and said, really? Everybody has looked at their own selves and said, am I really? Everybody's had something happen in life and you say, really? We've all had doubts. Everybody, I don't care if you've been in church your whole life. I don't care if you've been, have a perfect Sunday school record. I don't care if you're a preacher or a teacher or a pastor's wife. I'm, I don't care who you are. Everybody in here, shh. We all have, every single one of us, whether you like to admit it or not. And the Bible is full, and I'll say this, it's okay to have doubts. The Bible's full of people, men and women of little faith. Let me just give you a list here. Moses, get this, had doubts. You guys know Moses is a great man, right? One of the greatest men that ever lived. Guess what? He had doubts. Let me give you another one. You guys want more? Abraham had doubts. Sarah, God came and told her she's going to have a baby in her old age, and she was old. And she said, really? She had doubts. You want more? Peter had doubts. Thomas has a nickname, Doubting Thomas. The Psalms are full of, and I should know I've preached just about every single one of them. They are full of David's doubts. 
Let me give you one more. Matthew 28, 17, as Jesus ascended into heaven after his resurrection, it said, and some doubted. Get this. They saw him go into heaven. He was here on the ground, and he starts ascending in a cloud into the heavens, and they're sitting there watching him. And some of them look around and say, is this really happening? Is my, am I going blind? Am I going crazy? And they doubt. It's okay. I know this is, sounds bad for a preacher. It's okay. Understand me. Even to my kids here, it's okay to doubt. What's not okay is to keep having doubts. What's not okay is when doubts come that you let them stay. That when they come into my mind, I let them stay there. When they walk into my house, I let them have, uh, stay there and, and, and hang out in my house. Doubts need to come, but they need to go right on out when they come. So we've got to learn how to deal with the doubts when they come. It's okay to have doubts. It's not okay to keep doubts. And that's what we're going to look at here today in Matthew 11. John had doubts. But John didn't keep doubts. And John's going to show us here how to deal with these doubts. John is, John the Baptist, is one of the greatest men who ever lived. And that's not my words. That's Jesus' words. I'm going to preach a sermon next Sunday called The Greatest Man Who Ever Lived. And it's going to be all about John the Baptist. I mean, you can look down there with me at uh, Matthew 11, 11, And Jesus says, Verily I say unto you, Among them that are born of women, How many people are born of women? Every single one of us. So he's saying out of everybody who's ever been born, there has not risen one greater than John the Baptist. Greatest man who ever lived. None greater than him. And he's the last person we would ever expect to have doubts. Jesus says he's the greatest man who ever lived. And then right here in this passage, he has great doubt. And when I read this this week, it, it was like a, I mean, I, I, this is bad of me to say, but when I read about John's doubts, a smile come upon my face. Because I thought, and this is bad, you know, oh, yes, John doubted. <laughs> Why? Because if he can doubt, the greatest man who ever lived, then it makes me feel okay that I can doubt. So we see John doubting here. This man who's the greatest man who ever lived, this man who the Bible says was filled with the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb, and he had doubts. Here he's wavering, here he's struggling, here he is just like one of us. Just like us. Even the most mature Christians doubt. Because I've heard people say that, oh, oh you're, only immature Christians doubt. John the Baptist wasn't immature. Very mature. And I'll, I'll give you a Charles Spurgeon quote if you don't believe me. He said, mature Christians are often the subject of the most fearful and violent doubts. The closer you get to Christ, the more questions you will have. So doubts don't just come to the immature. Doubts come to the most mature. We all have doubts, and it's okay. It's not okay to stay there. To stay there. So, so that's what we're going to look at here today. We're going to learn how, how to deal with doubt. And this is, for me, the utmost and the highest of values in sermons. You're going to want to hear this. You're going to, you're going to want to pay attention to this. You're going to want your, your Bible out. You might want to take a pen and write some of these things down so that you can learn that when those doubts come, and they will come, right now you may have no doubts at all. You may believe everything the Bible says. I stand assured. I stand positive. But one day you're going to have doubts creep in. And you're going to want to know how to deal with these things. And as I read this this week, I thought, one day, one of my kids is going to be walking to me with doubts. 
And I'm going to need to know how to deal with those doubts. Not just my own, but for my children. When they come to me and they say, Dad, is the earth really 6,000 years old? And I'll be glad when they do. Because that means they're thinking. Christian came to me just the other day after I preached in Genesis chapter 3 on the first sin. He went to Steph and then Steph, <laughs> Steph sent him to me. We got in the car she said, Christian has a question for you. He said, why did, and this is a good question. Why did God allow Adam and Eve to sin? Dad, he could have stopped it right then and there. And none of this trouble we're in right now would have ever happened. Why did God let it happen? I said, I'll answer it later. <laughs> Thinking he'd let it go, you know. That night, he came back and said, Dad, why did he let it happen? It's good. We need to know how to deal with it when it comes. When a college-age kid comes to us and, and, and they're being taught something by a professor somewhere in some university, something about creation, something about Christ being the, the only way, the only truth, and the only life, they're saying the opposite of that, and they're coming home and coming to us, and we sound old-fashioned, and we sound narrow-minded, and they've got doubts. What are we going to do with those? We've not done a very good job of answering doubt. We're not dealing with our kids' doubt. We're not dealing with our own doubt. This passage here today is going to teach us how to deal with doubt. When questions come, when doubts come, what are we going to do? So let's look at today dealing with doubt. And you guys are in for a treat today. I had three points ready to go last night. And at one o'clock in the morning, I took my last point, four pages of notes, and just tossed it. I couldn't get past the first two points. So we're only going to give you two points today. You guys write this down. When's the last time Josh ever preached only two points? Today's that day. <laughs> one o'clock in the morning, I'm thinking... They're going to love me. It's going to be a 35-minute sermon. We'll see. So let's, let's, let's learn how to deal with doubt. I want to start with point number one. I want to show you the reason for John's doubt. And then I want to show you point number two, the resolving of John's doubt. Point number one, the reason for. Why is he doubting? What's the, the cause of his doubting? And I believe that the cause of his doubting, or the reason for his doubting, is the same reason that we doubt. That, that people don't change. The reason John doubted is the exact same reason that any of us will have doubts now or in the future. So let's look at the reasons for his doubt. Verse 2. Now when John, you're going to see this, when John, I'm going to stop right there. Now when John, John had been, we saw him in Matthew 3, we saw him in Matthew 4, he was out in the wilderness. He was a man of the woods. And he, and he had a, a camel's hair outfit and a belt and, and he ate locusts and he ate honey. He was just living off the land. He was preaching repentance to anybody who would listen. I mean, this was a great man. One of the great preachers, one of the great prophets that has ever lived. Had one of the greatest jobs ever. I think Mary was privileged to carry Jesus, but John the Baptist was privileged to be the forerunner of Jesus Christ and to tell the whole world, here he is. What a great job. And that's what he was doing out in the wilderness. And then Jesus comes to him and says, Out of everybody that could baptize me, who am I going to get to baptize me? I want John the Baptist. 
And John the Baptist baptized him and and saw everything that happened there. Heard the voice from heaven from the Father saying, This is my Son and I am well pleased with Him. Saw the Spirit fall like a dove. He's there experiencing the Trinity. Amazing. He had crowds flocking. He was popular. He had disciples. People loved John the Baptist. He had a good life. Great ministry. And here we find him. And he's not out in the open preaching the gospel of Jesus coming. He's in a prison. You see that when John had heard in the prison. He's in a dungeon. Gloomy. Dark. Confined. Can you imagine a man of the woods? Loves being out in the open in the, in the blue skies and in, in, the, in the desert. He, he loves being out in the open. And here he is in a tiny little dungeon cell with one window that he can't even look out of. They would place those windows so high that it was like, I can almost see, but I can't see. He couldn't even see the blue sky. He couldn't even, he couldn't even, he was alone, isolated in a, in a prison cell. And he'd been there for 16 to 18 months. Why was he there? You say, was he a criminal? No. He stood up to a man of power. He spoke to powerful people. And when Herod married his sister-in-law, who was also his niece, yeah, it was like a soap opera. It was like days of our lives. (laughs) Has sands in the hourglass. (laughs) I shouldn't know that. (laughs) We all have doubts. (laughs) Yeah, Herod married his sister-in-law slash niece. And John the Baptist stood up to him and said, that ain't right. He was no coward. He stood up to power, and power put him in prison. And he was in prison for 16 to 18 months. And John, while he's in prison, watch this. John had heard while he's in prison about all that Jesus was doing in verse 2. Heard the works of Christ. You see that? You can stop there. Works of Christ. He's inside the prison and he hears about what's going on outside the prison. The works that Jesus was doing, you can go back to Matthew chapter 10 when Jesus is sending out 12 disciples. And he's telling them, you're going to go out and you're going to cast out demons. You're going to go out and you're going to heal. You're going to go out and you're going to do. You're going to go out and you're going to preach. You're going to go out and you're going to... And he's sending them out two by two. And they're going out everywhere and doing great works and preaching the gospel and and healing. And and just an amazing ministry. And Jesus is doing the same thing. And there's these great things that are going on outside. And John in this little prison has heard word about all that's going on outside. And he's sitting in the prison and he's doing nothing. It's like my kids. If, If I send three of my kids outside and the other one's in trouble and they're outside playing with the dog and they're throwing ball and it's just an amazing time the other one's sitting there looking out the window with tears i'm missing out they're having fun and i'm not a part of it that's what he's doing he's got 12 disciples that's going out i'm his cousin i baptized him i was with him i'm his forerunner and they're out there doing that and i'm in here rotting in a prison cell and he's not even visited me you see what's going on i think the prison's having a depressing effect on him i think that john the baptist here is at the lowest of the lows i think he's in a valley i think he's he's in a pit I, i think he's 
having a hard time. He doesn't understand. So look what he does. You guys are getting a picture of this in your mind, I hope. And he sent out two of his disciples. So yeah, he still had people that followed him. And two guys had come to the prison and told him about the works of Christ. And now he's going to send out two of his disciples. And he tells them, go and find Jesus and ask him. Go and find Jesus and you ask him. And he's not asking him a little question. Understand me. He's not asking him, why am I in jail? He's not asking him, why can't I be out there with you guys? He asked him the biggest question of all. Are you really the Christ? Are you really the Son of God? Are you who you say you are? That's what he says. I'm not making this up. Look, he said, go and ask. Art thou he that should come? And that's an official title, the, the one to come. It, it's in the Greek, it would say, the ha erkaminos. It is the coming one, the, the Messiah, the Christ, the one that's going to come and, and save us, the one that's going to come and, and take over, the one that we, we've been looking for since G Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. We've been waiting for the coming one. We've been looking for the coming one. Is, are you the coming one, or should we look for somebody else? What he's saying here is, Am I wrong about you? Have I wasted my life? Is that not a big boy doubt? That's not small. He's seen so much. He's done so much. He was raised with Jesus. And here he is and he's saying, Am I wrong? Are you the coming one? Have I wasted my entire life pointing everybody to you? His motto in ministry had been, I must decrease and Jesus must increase. Don't look at me, look at him. Everybody would come to John and he'd say, I'm not him, it's Jesus. Have I been lying to them? Have I been wrong? That's a big question. He's doubting. He's wavering. This man who was again family to Jesus. This man who had, had the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb. This man who preached repentance. This man who said, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This man who saw at the baptism and heard the voice of God the Father at the baptism and experienced it all is now saying, is, are you real? Wow. That's big. So the question is, what caused this doubt? What would make this man who was so high come so low? Here's the reasons. Write these down. Doubt comes in our darkest times. He's in a dungeon and he can't see straight. He's in a dungeon, and I'm not talking about physically. He can see just as well as anybody else. But he's in a dungeon, and he can't spiritually see like he needs to see. He's in a dungeon, and he can't see clear. His vision has been clouded by his bad circumstances. When our bad circumstances, get this, this is so good if you'll pay attention. When our bad circumstances come, it's like somebody puts a visor in front of our eyes. And we can't see Jesus like we need to see Jesus. 
and this prison and this dungeon and this bad circumstances has blinded him from seeing Jesus like he needs to see Jesus. Bad circumstances has a way of doing that to us. This is his lowest moment. We are never more vulnerable to doubt than we are when we're in a dungeon or when we're in a trial or we're in a, in a furnace or in a pit. At that moment, he couldn't see Jesus. He couldn't feel Jesus. He couldn't experience Jesus. Everything was blinded to him. And it's the same thing for every single one of us. In bad times, in dark times, is when doubt starts creeping in. All you need is to hear a cancer diagnosis. And the blinders go up. And you can't see Jesus like you need to see Jesus. All you see is cancer. You don't see Christ. Somebody dies in your family. Blinder goes up. And you can't see like you need to see. You lose a job. Blinder goes up. And you can't see like you need to see. You have a divorce that you never expected. You stood up in front of the preacher and you said, till death do we part. And then all of a sudden, a few years later, you part and it's not because of death. And blinders go up and you begin to say, is this real? So at that moment, all of us, we can't feel, we can't see, we can't think, we can't even hear right. Because we're blinded by the circumstances. Let me give you another one. Not just doubt coming in dark times, but doubt comes... When things don't make sense. See, John expected one thing, but John was getting another. If you're listening, this is so good. John expected Jesus to be the King of kings and the Lord of lords and to come and to take over Rome and to restore Israel to its rightful place. And he, he, he thought Jesus would come and he would right all the wrongs and, 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 and he would make all those wrongs be punished and all those people be punished and he would destroy the religious system that was corrupt and he would come and make everything right. John even preached a sermon about hellfire and brimstone coming down and wiping everybody out and, and, and God's people sitting with, with Jesus on the throne. That's what he expected. That's what they all wanted. Can I sit beside you, Jesus, on your throne? That's what they all expected. And here he is, and that's not happening. The wrongs haven't been rotted. The wrongs are still wrong. Rome is still in control, and the corrupt religion is still overruling everything and everybody. And John's in prison saying, what happened? I expected this, and I got this. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't add up. What's going on? That's what he's saying here. It doesn't add up. And you know that a lot of times in our lives, we say it don't make sense. Think about it. You ask him to do something for you, and he doesn't do it. I expect that if I ask by faith, he's going to answer me. But I ask, and he doesn't answer I ask him to heal my child, and he doesn't heal my child. These two things don't make sense to me. Where are you? Didn't you say you'd do this for me? I do everything for you. You pray, and it's like he isn't listening. We expect and say, didn't he promise me? How about this one? I follow you. 
I give to the church. I show up every Sunday. I listen to that screaming, yelling preacher for an hour at a time. (laughs) Haven't I suffered enough? (laughs) I'm so faithful. Isn't that what's going through John's mind right now? I'm the most faithful follower you have. When nobody else was, I was. I've done everything. I've gave it all up. They're out there in fine clothes and I'm wearing camel hair. Why are they blessed? And they live like hell. And I'm not. And I live for Jesus. It doesn't add up. It doesn't make sense. And it happens with us all the time. Some of you sitting there saying, yeah, I have those same thoughts. All the time. Why does the false teachers have thousands in their church? And me and Brandon stand at the door and beg people passing by to come in. Why? It doesn't make sense. Why do we have trouble? They don't. Where are you? Why am I going through this? It's okay to have those questions. John's thinking, is this what loyalty to Christ looks like? Is this what the blessed life looks like? And he's saying, have I missed it? Are you not the one? Because it doesn't look like you're the one right now. We are blinded by dark times and we are blinded when it doesn't make sense. So here's the question. When doubt comes, what are you going to do with it? You know what doubt is? Doubt is a longing to be sure about what you believe. Doubt is a longing. You can can write that down. Doubt is, that's why it's okay. Doubt is a a deep down longing for you to be sure, confident, positive of what you believe. That doubt is coming up within you. It's like Christian when he asked me that question and he's, he's having doubts. Why didn't God and why did God and he's having these things. What he wants in his mind is, Dad, give me confidence in what I believe. I can't keep these doubts. I don't want to be uncertain. I don't want to be tossed to and fro. I must have certainty. That's what doubt is. It's a longing to to be right. It's a longing to, to have certainty. And when our faith is tested, where do we go and what do we do? How do we deal with it? That's the second point. I've showed you the reason for doubt. I want to show you now how to resolve the doubt. Because that would be a terrible place to leave you in this sermon, wouldn't it? I just said, all right, there's the reasons for doubt. We'll talk about the resolve next week. Every one of you should show up next week. I've got to know how to resolve these things. When that comes and I have those questions, and I do. Some of you just now saying it. Yeah, we're in Doubters Anonymous in here. My name is Josh and I have doubts. I shouldn't know about that either. (laughs) How do we get through them? So let me show you the resolving of the doubt. You've got to go to the right place. 
Look where John goes. You, you, if you pay attention here, uh, it says, And now when John heard in verse 2 in the prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples. Who did he send his disciples to? You, you, you see this? He didn't say, Go ask the guards. He didn't say, Go ask my friends. He didn't say, go and ask the agnostics. He didn't say, go and ask the atheists. Go and ask the unbelievers. Go and ask those who, who, who aren't doubting. You know, you get that. People who don't believe don't doubt. Don't go ask the agnostics or the atheists or the unbelievers. Don't go ask those who are antagonistic towards Christ. Don't go and ask anybody else. Don't go ask the professors in college. Don't go ask your friends who don't have a clue about anything at all. Don't go to the wrong place. If you're going to deal with your doubt, you must go to the right place. Where does he go? He goes directly. He says, guys, go to the source. Go and ask him yourself. Go to Jesus. That's where you take your doubts. Get this. Most people are scared to go to Jesus and pray and say, I've got doubts. Jesus is a big man. He can take every single one of our doubts. I like that. He didn't keep it to himself. He didn't go to his friends. He, he sent them to Jesus. And he said unto him, that's Jesus. His faith is proven here in how he deals with his doubts. He goes to Jesus. Doubt must always, every time you have a doubt, it must drive you to Jesus. You're either going to be driven to Jesus in your doubt or away from Jesus in your doubt. Go to Jesus in your doubt. There's an old song that says, Where could I go but to the Lord? I'm not going to sing it. I want to. I've got extra time today. You must feed your faith and not your doubts. I'm going to say that again. You must feed your faith. And the Bible says faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Feed your faith. Every time you have a doubt, go directly to the word of God. Go to the words of Christ and let those words feed your faith. Don't go to the doubts. Don't go to the skeptics. Don't go to those who don't know Jesus, who don't love Jesus, who don't teach about Jesus. Go directly to the source and have your faith fed by the word of God. So he shows us that in our difficulties, go to Jesus. In our discouragements, go to Jesus. In our disappointments, in our despair, when our prayers aren't answered, when we don't get the job, when we get a bad diagnosis, where do we go? You go to Jesus. That's where Christians go. That's where people of faith go. They go to Jesus. We don't, we don't keep them. We don't stay there. When we're in a valley, we don't stay in that valley. We get up and we run to Jesus as fast as we can. When I don't understand, when it, I don't, it doesn't make sense, I'm going to send for help. I'm going to get Jesus. When my kids come to me with doubts, and they will. Christian came to me, and you know where I took him? Let's go to a science book, Christian. We'll figure it out there. Nothing wrong with science. But the place you go is to the Word of God. When my kids come to me and they're in college and professors are lying to them, causing doubt and confusion, I'm taking them to the Word of God. So what does Jesus do with it? What does Jesus do with the doubt? I love this. Jesus doesn't rebuke him like, I, like, like we could our kids... Shame on you, John. 
You should know better. I mean, that's what I would do. If one of my kids came to me and they're asking me a question that they should know. If, if one of my kids come to me and said, Dad, is, is Jesus really the Christ? You should know better than that. Don't ask silly questions like that. That's not Jesus. He doesn't rebuke. He doesn't condemn. He rebukes unbelievers and Pharisees, but he helps, always helps, doubting believers. That's good. Aren't you glad he treats our doubts like that? He's not this with a stern finger looking down at us and saying, How dare you doubt? He says, You tell John. <laughs> I love that. You go and tell John. You go and tell my cousin. Let me tell you what to tell him. This is, and he gives him, look what he says. You go and show John. You see that? And if it was in hillbilly English, it'd be, you go and tell your, your, your buddy John. Go tell him again what he already knows. You go confirm. You go reconfirm. You go settle this in his mind forever. Those things which you do hear and see. And he gives him a long list. A catalog of miracles. And scripture to back it up. <laughs> he says, and just look at this. And you, you tell me this. Is Jesus who he says he is? And let's, let's, let's read this list. Is Jesus really the son of God? Is he the Christ, the Messiah? Well, the Old Testament said... <laughs> That when the Messiah comes, when the Christ comes, when the Son of God comes, He will get this, the Old Testament, and this is all in Isaiah. I don't have to go there and read it to you, but this is all in Isaiah chapter 25. That when the Messiah comes, the blind will receive their sight. The lame will walk, the lepers will be cleansed, the deaf will hear, the dead will rise, and the gospel will, have the, will be preached to the poor. So that's what the Old Testament said the Christ would be. So Jesus here says, you tell John. John knows the Scriptures. And now John is going to hear the confirmation. Tell him, look at this, that the blind are receiving their sight. We've talked about this. We saw stories of this earlier in Matthew 8 and 9. Jesus restored the sight of the blind, and that had never been done in the history of the world before. Only the Messiah can do that. I went and got my eyes checked the other day, and they're getting bad. Somebody must be getting old. I don't know who. But the doctor didn't look at me and say, I can fix it. You can't do that. He said, here, put these on. <laughs> Only the Son of God can heal blindness. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. He's been lame his whole life. Take up your bed and walk. Only the Son of God can do that give you another one the lepers are cleansed the ones we can't touch jesus is cleaning the deaf here we'll just keep going and the dead are raised <laughs> and then the last one and the poor have the gospel preached unto them he's just giving a litany of of miracles that he's performing and works that he's doing and he's saying you tell me what you think that's his way of saying you you asking if i'm the messiah you better believe i am I'll give you another. You, want, you guys want another passage? Let me, let me show you one. I, I like this. Turn with me. i got time. You guys thought we were going to get out of here early. Matt, Luke chapter 7. Verse 
<laughs> this is amazing to me. Luke chapter 7. Verse 18. And the disciples of John showed him all these things. And John, calling unto him two of his disciples, sent them to Jesus, saying, Art thou he that should come, or look we for another? So it's the same story in a different gospel. Verse 20. When the, man, when the men were come unto him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us unto thee, saying, Art thou he that should come, or look, look we for another? Now pay attention in verse 21. And in that same hour, at that moment. When it says that same hour, it means in that moment. He cured many of their infirmities and plagues and of evil spirits. And unto many that were blind, he gave sight. In that moment. You, you understand what I'm saying there? That it, it wasn't like, like Jesus just said, you tell him these things are happening out there in, in this ministry. You tell him that I've been doing these things. It's like Jesus looks at those disciples and he says, you tell him, boom, I just did that. Boom, I just did that. This guy was blind and now he sees. He was lame and now he's walking. He had a demon and now he's gone. In that hour, he did a personal set of miracles just for John. He's confirming everything that John already knows. And his disciples are going to go run back and say, We saw it with our own eyes. We saw him do it in that moment. There was somebody walking by and he just said, you're healed, and you're healed, and you're healed. And I don't care what any other preacher out there will say, nobody can do that but Jesus Christ. So you tell me, who is he? Those disciples probably come running back to John and say, you won't believe it. And John says, I believe that. Without a doubt. That's amazing. You see power, you see prophecy fulfilled, you see a catalog of personal miracles that are performed on the spot just for John the Baptist. He didn't do that for anybody else, did he? Unbelievers come up to him and say, we need a sign. Jesus said, I ain't giving you no sign. Just believe in me. But we come to him with our doubts. We need help. Let me help you. That's how Jesus deals with believers. That's, Jesus shows him. <laughs> you guys know why I couldn't move on now. <laughs> I wanted to go all the way to verse 15. I just got stopped. I can't. Jesus is connecting the dots. I love those pictures my kids have in their coloring books. There's nothing but dots. And they start connecting them. One, two, three, four. And before you know it, it's, just, it's a horse with somebody riding it. And you know, just, uh, I'm like, wow, how'd they do that? Let's do another one. Turn the page. We're connecting more dots. You know, I feel like an artist. You know, just you know, Michelangelo. <laughs> but John, when he hears this, he's just connecting the dots. Isaiah says he'll the lame will walk, and the blind will receive sight, and the deaf will hear, and the 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 dead will be raised, and the gospel will have the, the poor will have the gospel preached to them, and he's connecting them. Isaiah says that, and Malachi says that, and this says that, and they're telling me Jesus is doing this, and the whole picture is done. And John looks at it and says, why have I ever doubted? Jesus is the Christ. He is the Messiah. That's a great truth. His faith was tested, and now his faith is confirmed by Christ. 
you go to Christ, you go to the Scriptures, you go to the truth, and your faith will be stronger at the end than it was at the beginning. So precious when our faith is tested that it becomes so much stronger in the end. And then, and I'm closing, (laughs) maybe. He says in verse 6, And blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. You say, what does that mean? Blessed are those who trust me. There is a blessing for those who trust me. There's a blessing for those who in the midst of their discouragement, they have doubts, but they still trust me. There's a blessing for those who in the midst of their disappointments and their despair and their dungeons and their pits, There's a blessing to those who are in the midst of the worst of trials the world can throw at them. That they may, that they they look around and it doesn't make sense. That they're in the midst of a divorce, they're in the midst of death, they're in the midst of all kinds of turmoil. And it's all around them like, like a storm being tossed to and fro. But blessed are those who are in the midst of that valley. And they don't lay there and die, but they keep on trusting in Jesus. Blessed are those who don't get tripped up, who aren't offended, who trust me when everything else is failing all around them. Blessed are those who trust me. Let me give you an example of this. If if you're not getting it, Emma, my six-year-old little girl, she weighs about 25 pounds soaking wet. She's just the sweetest little little skinny little thing I've ever seen. And one of my favorite things, she she loves to, to, to jump around. She can. She's little. And she got on the bed the other night, and she said, Dad, back up. And she got to run and go. And she said, Dad, I'm going to jump. Will you catch me? And I said, yeah, you know I will. You know I will. And she took off to run, got to the edge of the bed, and stopped. And I looked at her, and she looked at me, and she said, Are you sure you'll catch me? She said, put your arms out like this. (laughs) And it took her a second. She'd go back to the back back into the bed. She'd think, oh, stop. And finally, me being way back and her being on the bed, she took off, closed her eyes, and just soared. And guess what Daddy did? You better believe Daddy caught her. Blessed is she that in the midst of her doubt and question, this ain't safe. I don't know if he will. I don't know if he can. But I'm going to trust him anyway. (laughs) And every time Daddy caught her, it confirmed her faith in Daddy. And she'd get back up and say, one more time. Get this. And we did it about five times. (laughs) (laughs) And after... I can't do that with the rest of my kids, so I sit there and did it. Gracie's not running saying, catch me. <laughs> Isaiah's not doing it. Catch me, Dad. He's the same height as I am. I, mean, I can't do it. He's about ready to catch me. <laughs> but Emma, all 25 pounds of her just sold. And every time I caught her, it confirmed or resolved her faith to do it again and again. Every time we have doubts and we trust him anyway, he says, blessed are those who trust me. And the next time a dark valley comes, blessed are those who trust me. 
And the next time a death comes, blessed are those who trust me. They don't see it. They don't feel it. They don't hear it. Everything is being blinded. They don't understand. The lights are out. They're in a bad place, but they trust me anyway. They're in a valley, but they trust me anyway. They're in dark times, but they trust me anyway. Over and over, we're going to face these doubts, but we've got to learn to trust Him anyway. I can't see. I can't understand. I don't know what's happening, but you better believe i got a Savior who will catch me every single time that's good in your doubts that's, that's, that's how you're going to remember this sermon Josh jumping <laughs> blessed are those who trust me we have our doubts oh but we trust him anyway because that's what faith does you know that's what Emma was doing when she jumped into my arms Showing faith in her daddy. And when we learn to trust him anyway, we're showing faith in our Savior. When everybody else in the world says, I give up on him, we say, I'm trusting him anyway. You say, did it work? Did it work? Is John confirmed? Is he resolved now? Did this help his doubt? Well, it doesn't say. But let me ask you to turn to one more place. Matthew 14, and you guys are probably looking at the clock thinking, wow, I'm glad Josh didn't go three points. <laughs> Matthew 14. I'm going to read this and we'll close. It doesn't say whether this confirmed his doubt or resolved his doubt. But look what it does. We'll, we'll preach this passage in three or four months. <laughs> Matthew 14. I'm going to read verse 1 to 12, if you guys will bear with me. At that time, Herod the Tetrarch heard of the fame of Jesus, said unto his servants, This is John the Baptist. He is risen from the dead, and therefore mighty works do show forth themselves in him. For Herod had laid hold on John and bound him and put him in prison for Herodias' sake, his wife, his brother's Philip's wife. <laughs> There's that soap opera. For John said unto him, It is not lawful for thee to have her. There, there's how he got himself in trouble. And when, he, and when he had put him to death, he feared the multitude, because they counted him as a prophet. But when Herod's birthday was kept, the daughter of Herodias danced before them, and he pleased Herod, and she pleased Herod. Whereupon he promised with an oath to give her whatever she would ask. And she, being before instructed of her mother, said, I, Give me here John the Baptist's head in a platter. John didn't get out of jail. One of the things that Jesus said there, you tell John, he didn't say that the captives were being set free, did he? He's not always going to get us out of the trouble that we're in. But we trust him anyway. He didn't get out of jail. His sickness wasn't healed. Look what he says. She wanted John the Baptist's head and a charger. And the king was sorry. He didn't want to do it. But nevertheless, for the oath's sake, he's a man of his word. He's a wicked, evil, corrupt man, but he's a man of his word. And then which sat with him at meat, he commanded it to be given unto her. And he sent and he beheaded John in the prison. John didn't get out of prison. He had his head cut off. Look what happens. And his head was brought in a charger. And given to the damsel, and she gave it to her mother. And the head on a platter. He said, Josh, why are you leaving? 
reading us that. And his disciples, maybe those two that went to Jesus and had been going back and forth asking questions, came and they took the body and they buried it. And where did they go? And they went and told Jesus. They were following their teacher. Where did our teacher go in, their dark, in his darkest times? Where did our teacher go when he had doubts? Where did our teacher go when things got bad? Where did our teacher go when he didn't understand? Where did our teacher go and have his faith restored? Where did our teacher go and have his doubts resolved? He went to Jesus and in the midst of our doubts and our confusion and our uncertainty, where will we go? We'll go to Jesus. He taught them well. John dies, and I believe John dies fully believing that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And when he died and opened his eyes, there stood his Savior. And every single doubt that he ever had is gone for good. Confirmed. In a place called heaven where there will be no more doubts. They go to Jesus. That's how you deal with your doubts. So how will you deal with your doubts? I ask that question. Do you doubt Jesus? There's probably some here right now that do. But you doubt whether he is who he said he is? You better believe he is and more. He is the Son of God. He is the, the Messiah. He is the Christ. He is the one to come. And there is no more to come. There's no more prophets to, pre, to, to come and, and to heal and, to, and to, to raise the dead. There's no more. It's only one. It's only Jesus. Nobody else did this. So you better believe. Let me, let me resolve your doubts. The Bible states very clearly who Jesus is, what He did by going to the cross, by being buried and risen again on the third day. You better believe He is who He said He is. And I'll say this, you better believe that He can do what He said He can do. You may have doubts right now. Can Jesus forgive me from all that I've done? You better believe He can forgive you. Can He, can he save me and cleanse me and, and get me to heaven? He's the only one that can. You better believe. You say, Josh, I have doubts. I, you might have doubts. I, I, I don't, I, I'm okay with that. But you've got to trust Him anyway. Put your faith in Him and get this. I have not one single doubt in this world that He will save you. There's not a doubt in my mind that if you put your faith in Him and, and right now, in your mind, in your heart, you say, I believe in that Jesus and I'm, I'm trusting in Him. I have no doubts He'll save you on the spot. None. Anybody in here who believes, He will save you. I believe that beyond a shadow of a doubt. And if you're here today and you doubt yourself, <laughs> am I real? Go to Jesus. Be confirmed by Him. I'll give you another one. Are you struggling with life right now? This is the best place to be. The best place to be. Bring your doubts to Him. And He will resolve it. Come to Him. Maybe what you're going through doesn't make sense. Maybe your life is just turmoil and chaos. And you're saying, I don't get it. Do you know where you go? To Jesus. Bring it to Him. You can come to me. And I'll take you to Jesus. <laughs> You can come to Brandon sitting down here. We'll bring Johnny up sitting right here. 
We'll wrap our arms around you and we will resolve all your doubts. Not by our words or our expertise, but by taking you to Jesus. So in any of those doubts you have right now, where will you go with them? I urge you today, take your doubts to Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for a great, great, beautiful, beautiful passage. I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed studying it, and I pray that you'd help me to apply it, help all of us to apply it, that in all of our doubts, whether it be in the truth, whether it be in our own life, or whether it be in the, the struggles of life, that we would always, every one of us, take those things to you. You're the only one that can resolve it. You're the only one that can make it right. You're the only one that can help us. You're the only one that can catch us. So let us all run to you and have our faith confirmed. And God, if there's anybody in here today who's lost, unbelievers, more than enough truth in this sermon. If they have ears to hear, let them hear. And believe today and be saved. And if there's anyone in here struggling with doubt, Christian, May today be the day they say, I'm a doubter, and I need help. Please bless this invitation time. We ask and pray these things in Jesus' name.